Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. See Baldry's beat. Legisl- Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning. I know you were listening to my interview there with David Coletto. Yes. It was a really interesting pollster, and he, he's done some interesting work just measuring yeah. kind of uh, voter attitudes among different age brackets. And when you start looking at that millennial uh, segment there that had been pretty solid for Trudeau and the Liberals mm-hmm. in the past, turning against him, boy, that's a big problem. Yeah, I subscribe to David Collette's uh, polling because I think it's quite um, quite incisive, quite interesting. And that poll that came out a few days ago, I found quite interesting because I th- a couple of things. There's this stereotype about who the millennials are. Ten years ago, they were much, of course, younger than they are now. I mean, this is we're talking the 1981 to 1996 age cohort. So yeah. ten years ago, you know, they were much younger. David Collette himself says he's forty-two, and he's a, technically he's a millennial. Yeah. Now that's on the upper end. Yeah. But when we talk about millennials, we're not talking about kids out of university anymore. Yeah. This is a, the bulge here are thirty-year-old, thirty to forty-year-olds, and this thing. And you talked to Collette about it about again, millennials don't vote. Well, when they were young, they didn't vote. Right. In their early twenties, now they're in their thirties. They do vote. Increasingly large numbers, and that gap—he's what about ten or eleven points between Trudeau and? Uh, yeah, the millennial vote is like a twelve-point, uh, no, eleven-point gap. That's a eleven-point lead for conservatives. Even with a margin of error, that's a big gap. Yeah, and these are people who are going to vote increasingly large numbers, and they're also driven by issues not necessarily faced by other, by the boomer generation. For example, it used to be the dominant generation. Millennials are now the biggest population demographic. Uh, the boomers dominated for so long. You and I are both boomers. Yeah. Um, but that age group is literally dying off yeah. as or retiring or, or, or basically shrinking in size and having less of an impact on the outcome of elections than they did before. And then corresponding with that is this big population bulge, the millennials who are getting older and are frustrated by a number of issues. They've been called the um, unlucky generation because they suddenly housing has passed them by, housing ownership, not just in Canada, or in one spot in Canada, uh, it's right across the board. It, you know, I, I subscribe to the Seattle Times. The same things are same things happen in Seattle. Yeah, that is happening in Vancouver in terms of housing, the lack of rental housing. Yeah. Uh, they come out of university with much bigger student debt loads than the previous generation. Yeah. They've got some childcare issues that other generations did not face in the same numbers. So they've got a host of issues piling up on their plate. No satisfaction and no solution. So, yeah, they're going to be angry at incoming governments. And you put uh, inflation on top of that, soaring interest rates, putting pressure on everybody, but particularly on young people. And young people are trying to break into a housing market. Like like you said, forget about even buying a place, but even just renting a place. Like, rents are ridiculous. I know millennials who flocked to Trudeau when he was first elected in 2015. I mean, you know, family members and others. I just knew these young people were flocking to Trudeau because he was this, you know, attractive young person. Well, you know, eight years later, those people now are much, or it's eight years older. They're trying to get in the housing market. They're now out of their parents' home, theoretically. Some of them are still living with parents, but they're, you know, they've got jobs. They're out of university now. They're facing real world issues. And the Trudeau that they voted for in 2015 is not the shiny new toy that he was back then. He's got the some other, baggage on his plate. Yeah. And I think the other problem he has is 
Polyev is cleverly connecting with a younger voter message, you know, especially on social media. And when he, when he talks about housing and very articulately describing you know, people in their 30s who can't afford to move, well, <laughs> move talk, out of their parents' yeah, house. Out of their parents' house, out of their yeah. parents' basement. Um, no, Polyev, I think the most effective policy, the, most, the sharpest arrow in his quiver yeah. is the housing file. Yep. And he's actually uh, setting the agenda here. He's got other leaders now. And including uh, Trudeau, started talking on his talking points. They're talking reacting to, to him. You got yep. Sean uh, Fraser, the housing minister, suddenly saying tying uh, they're going to tie uh, housing to uh, in Vancouver. He just announced those ten uh, rental projects. Yes, and he's going to tie them to SkyTrain stations, yep. rapid transit. Well, that was that's right out of Polia's playbook. Yep. Uh, David Eby's talking the same thing as well, trying to tie density to rapid transit. That's right out of. Uh, out of Poliev. Poliev demanding, put a sort of a carrot and stick approach to municipalities. Well, that's what the NDP is doing in BC. They've, you know, Poliev came out with that first, is uh, withhold funding for municipalities that don't hit housing targets or give them a bonus if they exceed housing targets. Yeah. And you're going to see other parties, I think, latch on to those types of policies because I think they resonate with the voters. But a lot of the listeners have pointed out today, what is the guarantee that if you drastically increase the housing supply and you stimulate this new housing builds that any of these new buildings are going to be affordable. Oh, I totally agree. There should be skepticism. I've, I've long thought there's no easy answer here. Keep in mind, our immigration numbers are skyrocketing. Yeah. I don't think you can build housing fast enough yeah. to meet the demand for not only ownership, but rents. Yeah. If you've got a half a million people, more people coming into Canada, about, I think it works with about 130,000 more people coming to BC every year. 95% of those people, according to previous statistics, settle in three areas. Metro Vancouver, the capital region over here in Victoria, and, and Kelowna in the Okanagan. And again, you just do it disproportionately. Even of that 95%, the lion's share is in Metro Vancouver. The second highest is in the capital, third highest in Kelowna. You, I don't think you can build housing fast enough to keep up with that demand. And, keep, and, the, and, keep and, the half, and the half a million immigration number you're talking about, that is like new immigrants, like permanent residents coming to Canada. On top of that, you also have temporary foreign workers and you've got foreign, foreign students student. who come in and refugees and all these people coming in can it puts even more pressure on a housing supply. Well, there's been a lot written up in recent uh, weeks about uh, foreign students putting yeah. a huge strain on student housing. Yes. But others have pointed out of uh, the, the revenue from foreign students has become such such so entrenched in university and college budgets. You can't get rid of that. You know, once these, this revenue stream becomes part of your your budget, and in a way you can't get rid of it, it's it's a problem that's or it's it's something that's just not going to disappear. So we're not going to have a reduction in foreign students, but they present a challenge when it comes to student housing. Okay, all of this putting pressure on on Trudeau, and now you're beginning to hear whispers, and there's there's been reports, uh, media reports from people quoting unnamed sources in the Liberal Party griping about Trudeau. Is it time for him to retire? Yeah, is it time for him to walk away? Have a listen to Trudeau here. So Trudeau was asked by a reporter this week, have you become a liability for the Liberal Party of Canada? Listen to his answer here. Politics is never going to be a game of unanimous support. Yes, there are people who are hurting. And there are people who are lashing out. And we need to be there to reassure them that they're going to be able to succeed, that their kids and their communities are going to be able to succeed, even though the world is changing in very scary ways. Okay. He used to talk well, about sunny ways. Now he's talking about scary ways. Well, I assume the liberals are going to have to do some pretty deep research here, and I think they're probably in the middle of it, and that means some pretty intense focus group research and polling. And 
again, trying to determine whether or not the Conservatives have broken through, not on a national level, but on a regional level. Have they now, or can they supplant the Liberals in a significant way, factor in the margin of error, whatever you want to do, in Metro Toronto, in, in Greater Toronto, in Metro Vancouver, in Metro Montreal? Those are the three areas. If suddenly the Conservatives are tracking consistently ahead of the Liberals in there, I think internally it's going to be hard for Trudeau to hang on because, but he will argue, or his supporters will argue, his approval rating is still higher than that of Pierre Polyev. But Polyev's in the midst of a rebrand, yeah. you know, and we're gonna and we're gonna see over the next few months. There's gonna be a lot of attention paid. Has Polyev changed his image to the point where he's no longer a drag on his party's fortunes? And I also, would suggest the rebrand is probably gonna be more successful than not. Yeah, I think so too. And well, we're already seeing some early signs of the successful, like the ad campaign that they ran, mm-hmm. you know, for Polly of trying to soften his image. And, and for stuff. his wife to take a more prominent role. Oh, yeah. A very, oh, yeah. very good uh, communications uh, campaigner herself. Right. At, this, at the same time that Trudeau has split with his wife mm-hmm. and now suddenly Polyev's wife could be in the in the spotlight yeah. and David Coletto said they're already seeing some early signs of you know name recognition and approval approval rating for Polyev starting to starting to improve well, in the wake argue, of those ads as, as Polyev bottomed out you know mm-hmm. now that he starts to get known along more favorable lines with yeah. this new ad campaign and sort of softening his image yeah. maybe there's only one way to go and that's up okay did you, what do you think of the Trump mugshot <laughs> kind of unbelievable, but uh, t- I don't think he could get more scowling than he is in that particular period. Well, it's interesting, watching CNN last night and MSNBC, even Fox for a minute, um, a number of commentators point out, any other candidate yeah. or politician, this would be almost a killer yeah. for them this time. Trump's going to turn this into a fundraising tool. Sure, yeah. 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 I mean, this is... They, this will, is, use the, they will use the picture. He's already on Twitter posting... He's posted the this image on Twitter. Right. And he's never going to surrender. Yeah. So this is uh, this is uh, manna from heaven for his supporters. They love this stuff, you know? Yeah. He, he's he, trying to portray himself as the martyr, and his, his true believers will eat it up. He's going to make money on this thing. Right. And when you take a look at the photo, and I'm, I'm sure Trump... Rehearsed? How is he oh, going I'm to sure look? How is he going to look down yeah. the camera when they take this photo? And some people have described it as you did as as a scowl. I've heard other people say that he looks he looks angry, which I think is maybe deliberate. Then I have other uh, some Republicans who say he looks defiant. Yeah. You know that I mean, he's he's going sit, to fight the all those fight sit, back. He looks like that Lloyd Bridges character in Airplane. Remember, <laughs> remember the the, the uh, traffic controller, the oh, yeah. ex-pilot, just grumpy and scowling at the camera all the time. Well, somebody said to me, last night he looked like a Batman villain. But I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, he's got the he's got the red tie on, trademark yeah. red tie. There's lots of memes out there. Somebody's taken the the group, the Hollywood Square look, the Brady Bunch, all the the, yeah. the, the nine mug shots, and put uh, Batman villains on all of them. Yeah, right. And that's making the rounds as well. So, I mean, this is almost a subject of ridicule more than, than seriousness. Let's, speaking of Fox News, so let's listen how they, uh, the, the Trump mugshot was revealed last night on Fox News. Let's listen. So we're about to see the mugshot, and there it is. Let's just take that in for a second. You do see some anger in the eyes, and I don't like the ghoulish coverage of it. CNN got the image leaked to them before the rest of the media. That tells you everything you know about That's the right. process. Uh, that was kind of interesting because I was actually watching CNN last night, and they they did they had the mugshot first because then I switched over to Fox and MSNBC, and they didn't have it right away. There I was a I gap there. A, a local Atlanta TV station, I think. Also, is that how that's yeah. how I got so it? The, it came out of the Fulton County Jail. Yeah. Who's ever got sources there is going to get it first. I mean, this is yeah. very much a local thing. 
uh, CNN is centered in Atlanta. I mean, that was where, the, so of course they've got sources Local there that context. no one else can even touch. Okay. So it was a little whiny by Fox News to complain. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Baldry's beat lots of calls. Gord and Poco. Hi, Gord. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm just really enjoying watching you left-wing pundits just salivate at, at uh, Trump getting photographed, you know, like, like it's necessary. It's, it's complete election interference. It's a joke. And I'm going to enjoy even more watching you guys all freak out when he wins. <laughs> Thank you. Well, if you want to support a racist... <laughs> misogynistic, anti-democrat. That's your right. Well, will he, can he win, though? This is the thing I'm wondering. Can he win the Republican nomination? Sure. I think the answer is yes. Yes. Yes, he can. There's nothing that disqualifies Trump from running for president. You can run for president of the United States from jail, okay, even now, if there, you're convicted. Yeah. yeah, there is a increasingly voiced argument that the 14th Amendment prevents him from holding office because he held office before. This is an amendment was designed to basically. But who prevent, enforces that? Like, how would that be triggered? Well, and this is where it's the Supreme the, Court or something could be the Supreme Court. Well, well they're all is, Trump appointees. Well, we'll see. I mean, this is this is where it gets into the weeds. We've seen a number of academics, including some real prominent conservative academics who supported the Supreme Court justices, wade into this thing, saying the fourteenth section three of the Fourteenth Amendment was crafted to prevent the Confederates from reholding office. Yeah after the Civil War, right. because they tried to overthrow the government. And they're arguing that even if he's not convicted, the evidence is there to support that allegation. But again, this is an academic argument at the moment. We're, yeah. we're, we're way down, way far away from getting to that point. First of all, we're into the debates now, yep. and we're, into the, we're going to be in the primary season. And right now, he's still, Trump is still, by far and away, the choice of the Republican Absolutely. Party members. Yes. yes 39% is. to like 8% for for Chris Christie or something? Yeah. That's a huge gap. Yeah. Brian calling from Tunkwa Lake. Hey, Brian, go ahead. Uh, how are you doing today? Good. Here's my view of Trudeau. He's long past due. He's expired. He expired about five years ago. He's destroying this economy. He's taking away the futures of our younger people. Doesn't matter what race, color, creed they are. I've talked to lots of kids, kids being 25, 30 years old, they are not going to have children. They're not bringing them into this economy or this country because they don't see a future for them. Jagmeet and Christian Freeland need to go right along with them. They have destroyed the economy. There is no future until they leave. Carbon tax goes in the general coffers. It does mm. nothing for green. It, and green energy projects, if you look at the actual economics of them, are a waste of money. They lose about 10% of their value a year, and they don't, they can't work in minus 40. 
It doesn't work. Okay. And Ryan, unfortunately, the lower mainland doesn't yeah. realize that the rest of the country works where it's cold or lives where it's cold. Ryan, thank you for the call. Yeah, well, I mean, there is that's an upcountry view for sure. I mean, yeah. the conservatives are basically the party of choice in communities where he lives. And it's interesting, the carbon tax, you and I have talked about this before. Is this going to become an issue? Yes, I, could never, I think it will. It, it hasn't before. I, yeah. I agree. I think it's, it's, it's seen in a different light because... If our emissions are not going down and the stock keeps going up and it's part of general revenue now, I'm not yeah. sure. Poliev has made this a centerpiece of his campaign. He's going to campaign on two things, housing, yeah. going over uh, politicians has to build more housing, try to speak to the millennials and the younger generation, and axe the tax, which yeah. is a classic old slogan for all sorts of taxes, which yeah. usually pays off for the, polit- the tax and the politician in question.